Hi, and welcome to the teachings of Co-Church. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus and help you to do the same. We're passionate about real community, so please reach out to us and connect by visiting our website www.co-church.org or joining us in person every Sunday as we gather. We hope this talk is helpful. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning and I am very, very thankful that we have the opportunity to let you know of some friends who are with us this morning. We have Simon and Chesley Hemsley who are here. Now Simon and Ches, they lead a church called His Church. It's a multi-site church. It's a church that has been running for a number of years. Simon and Chairs, you guys are actually the first outside speakers we've had coming to go church. So no pressure. Uh, no pressure. But we we don't see them as like guests coming in as such. We see them as friends because they are friends of ours personally. Simon actually sits on our board as co-church. And so over the last couple of years has been a huge assistance to us. But from a personal perspective, they have been just great friends to us. We are so appreciative that they would take time from leading their church, which again is a significant church and comes with a lot of responsibility for them to be here with us this morning. And my hope is, is that we will become a community. I'm not going to presume that we are that straight away, that we will embrace, that we will open our hearts that we will be warm and receptive whenever we have somebody from outside of us come and bring the Word of God to us. Because we honor the Word of God. We believe wholeheartedly in the living, breathing, active Word of God to guide us and to help us navigate life. And so Simon has really put in the effort to bring something significant to us. And in this context of to be a blessing, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So can we please welcome Simon as he comes and speaks. Let's give him a clap. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, I took taken the liberty to invite my wife up because she is the better speaker between the two of us. Uh, that's what she tells me often. So, many thing. Just wanted her to introduce herself and say hello. Hi, everyone. Just you know, it's a real privilege for us to to be here. And even as Bevan said, I feel like Tam and Bev are friends who become family over the years. Tam and I, we've been friends since teenagers. And um, now we have our own teenagers, so that is another thing. But you guys are so old. <laughs> ben just likes it because he's the youngest out of all of us. Don't look at But just, you know, before Simon um, speaks, you know, when I think of Tam and Bev, for me, they are the most incredible example of people who will say yes to God regardless of the past. And, I mean, that's quite a statement. And I think many of us would love that to be said about us, but not many of us actually do it. And I feel like their lives have been people who've counted the cost and they've done whatever God has asked them to do. And I know that you are, you as a church, are blessed to have leaders like them 
lead you because they are people say, God, we will do whatever it is that you ask us to do, even if it makes us uncomfortable, even if it costs us, that we are willing to do that. But do you know what happens when you do that? The blessing of God will follow. And I just know that in this room today, um, and how how long have you been in this together? Six months. And I just know that that is the beginning because what is in them needs to reach more and beyond. And there is something so incredible on this church. And I believe, you know, God, I love about God is God doesn't have to work according to mathematical equations. He's not bound by this is how long things should take. But I, I really believe that there is going to be something exponential that happens in this church. And you know how maths works. Actually, it might be a mathematical equation. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. But then four plus four is eight. Eight plus eight is 16. And if I get that right, my maths is very dangerous. My maths is terrible. But you you flip over it to a place where it's not just one plus one is two anymore. And that exponential happens when the Holy Spirit is involved. And I know that He is in this place. And I believe and I want to prophesy and speak to the future of this church that you're going to see beyond what you could possibly imagine. And with these two leading you, I know that you can be secure in the fact that you are being led by two people who love God and love people. We have a story and, you know, obviously we've walked like many of you, many years with the Lord and many years in ministry. And, and I know this series is around becoming a blessing. Um, you, you mentioned tithing today, but I just, obviously you're going to continue in this vein, but I just want to encourage you there. I, I look at our lives and how God has done exponentially more than, than we could have thought to ask for. But I think back and I think, where would we be if we hadn't laid down these markers and how we would follow God? Sometimes what we think is put on us are actually, they're actually things given to us, like a tithe, to help us never stray too far. So I, I feel like every month we make this, this declaration as a family of whose we are and who we, who's we, who we belong to. And we do that through our cloud. You know, I don't feel spiritual every month or every day. I do find it a few times a month, but it's not naturally my personality. <laughs> but I know that we have these practices that keep us traveling and tracking with God, that if we didn't have them, it would be that much easier to lean on our own understanding at different times and move away from or be at a distance uh, to what He wants for us. So I really want to encourage you, this journey, this series, uh, I think is so significantly um, uh, so significantly significant for you. Sorry, it's terrible language. Uh, uh, English is my third or fourth language. I only have the one language, but it's still third on the list. Um, it's not great. But I really feel like becoming generous is actually stepping into who you are comfortably. And it's taking off all the old restrictions or expectations that religion and people have put on you and allowing the Holy Spirit to actually release the uniqueness of who you were created to be. That's what it is. That's the expression of generosity. The minute we feel confined to be something else, we are then restricted and we're unable to be generous within ourselves. So we're going to pray together and then Chesna's going to move along. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you just for coming together. Significance of days. And sometimes we can treat something as ordinary, but nothing is ever ordinary in the audience of God. And so we give you this time, we choose to 
turn our affections and our attentions towards heaven and we open our hearts to receive all of what you have. I thank you for the miracle of the Holy Spirit who's able to minister to many lives in many ways through one word. And so Holy Spirit, we give you this space and we give you this time and we ask that you would be gracious but meaningful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, a great privilege to be here. Um, And really a privilege to just kick off the series. I know that you started last week, um, but uh, so I suppose that this is round two. Um, But I really want to stress the fact that being a blessing is not a a, 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 the title of a get well card or a sympathy card. The word blessing runs deeper and holds more power than we've traditionally realized. It's not just the passing on of a gift or even a favor. It is a character that we share with the character of God. So when you look at the scripture that you're leading with in this this series, um, he says, it says in Genesis 12 verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. It's within the Father's heart to bless those who follow him or walk with him. But here's the thing. I will make your name great and I will, uh, excuse me, and you will become a blessing under me. I think that's the main thing, is there's a, trans- there's a transformation in our following that results in an expression of the character of God. Not the expression of Simon or who he was, what my values were, but actually as I've grown with God, what's become natural as I express myself in worship and in service is that I become a blessing to the world around us. Amen. This is for you. I think it's significant. I think blessing is at the core of the gospel. I think it's, it's something that's held out to us that we need to realize for ourselves to realize that actually the gospel message, my salvation, is a blessing. It's a life change. It's a massive shift from darkness into life, from lack into fullness. It's, this should be my experience. And as I grow in my salvation, what comes as a byproduct, not as an effort, not as something that I want to bolt onto who I am, but as a natural byproduct of my following God is that I become a blessing in community, and I even become a blessing beyond this community. Right. And that's what God wants. And that's actually what it is to be in step or walking with the Holy Spirit, is to actually release the ministry within me to the world around me, wherever He has placed me. Amen. I want to read a, a short verse that's very well known. I'm not sure who knows it, who doesn't, but I've always loved this. I've probably m- m- uh, misappropriated this more than I have appropriated it well. But my theology has matured over the years, and so I hope to do a good job with it today. It says this in 3 John 2, it's the Amplified Version. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically. We've prayed into that. Just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So John brings this point of priority to every area of our lives. And I feel like in some of the translations, says even as you prosper spiritually, your soul prospers, I'm hoping that it, that it infiltrates every other area of your life. Yeah. I just want to say this. This is where we get into trouble when we bolt on practices to our faith is it becomes unsustainable. Because it's an effort, not a character. And what John says is, as we do well spiritually, what we will find is every other area of our life will begin to prosper in the way that God intended it to prosper. Now, we've related to prosperity as a single track and sometimes as financial, material, blessing, or wealth. 
This is not the biblical definition of prosperity. It might be able to be found in there, but for God to bless you is to bless your soul first. Amen. Come on. It's to bless your insides, your interior. And as the interior is made whole, we've spoken about it, as it's placed in peace together and as you become who you were created to be, what will happen is the exterior will begin to follow suit. That what's happening within you if it's healthy, what happens outside of your beyond you becomes very, very, very healthy. Yes. So we've become very exterior focused, and when we're pursuing what's on the outside, actually what we're doing is we're neglecting what's on the inside. This is the Holy Spirit's priority, is what's happening inside us, and as we're able to connect to Him in that way, I promise you, your life will be released and enlarged, and actually you'll be a blessing to the Lord around you, even... I was going to make a bad joke, but I'm not going to do it. I was going to say, which I'm not going to say anymore, even your spouse. But we tracked that, and uh, we're just going to move on. But I, but I really want to make the point is that you're spiritual. And however you want to shape it, we can try and make other words for you if they, they are more comfortable. But, but I want to say this over your life. You are spiritual. Is that when Jesus came and we accepted him, there was a transfer or a transition in the spirit that we can't choose. We can't have him without his spirit. Amen? Amen. It's amazing. So Jesus said this to his disciples when he was with them. He, says, he said, um, the world cannot have me because they do not recognize me or know you. But you know me because I'm with you now and I'll be in you later. So he's saying the, the, the spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus. And then he says, I will not leave you with, uh, uh, as orphans. And I just want us to know this spiritually as we grow up in our walk in faith is that without God, we are black orphans. So with God, we are not orphans Amen. and we shouldn't live like orphans. Yes. We shouldn't live Amen. as though we're without God because my personality dictates that I'm not a spiritual person. The Holy Spirit is in you and the goodness of God is to release who you are not make you into a Bevel, Tam, or Simon, Chez, or anybody else that we look up to spiritually. There is a depth within you that is stirred up by the Spirit of God. Just naturally, you don't have a choice. When you say yes to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's just not something that you choose later. He's there. So now as we we walk with God, we just stir that up. We stir it up in our knowledge, and then we stir it up in cooperation with Him. He's so helpful. He says that actually... He helps us even in our weakness, and He searches our heart, and He prays for things that we don't have words for. That's most of my prayers. I don't know how to pray this. In fact, that's most of my preachers. I feel it, but give me the words. Sometimes they come. But I just want you to say, there's a whole lot of heaven cooperating with the development of who you are, but also the unfolding of what you're called to be. But if I resist what He wants to do in me, because I have decided I'm not spiritual, None of us are spiritual. None of us were spiritual. But in Christ, everybody is made alive by this word. Amen. Come on, there's great things that are happening in your life. Just being here is a cooperation. So he's going to make you a blessing. I just love the idea that as we walk with God, we were made into something that we were not. And this is the truth about journeying with him. I want to make this point. Let's separate what blessing is and what blessing isn't. I would hate for us to feel blessed because we have much. And therefore feel not blessed 
because we don't have a lot. That's a very weak and very shallow definition of blessing, but it is one that has kind of rolled over the mind of the church for many, many years, and so it leaves many people feeling like they have nothing to give. Which means in the transaction as I chose Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, even though I have all of that, I still have nothing. This is not the truth. This is a lie. But it is sometimes how we live that when we start to speak about becoming a blessing, we go to a material substance that actually isn't the wealth of heaven, is it? It's, it's, it's something that sits on earth and is we use resource to further the kingdom, but the kingdom is not limited to be further in resource. It's just not. And just think about the example of Peter as a Peter and John it is. They're walking to the temple gate, beautiful Acts 3. We know the story so well. It's the beggar at the gate. Just think about this. Is the beggar asked the same question he asks everybody uh, he sees? He says, can you give me some silver or gold or some money? And Peter looks at him and says, what? I don't have what you think you need. But I do have what we really need. Yeah. And I would say that's true in them, it's true in us. Yeah. That we can look to the needs of this world, the condition of humanity, and we can say to any person in need, I don't have what you think you need right now. But as I am in Christ, not because of me, but because of Him, I do have what you need. And so I can speak to the needs, I can pray for the needs, or I can come alongside them and be agreement for breakthrough in that area. Amen. That's us. That if we fall in the trap, that material blessing, is in fact heavenly blessing. We are never going to feel like we have enough to contribute or to build with. Yes. It is just not the truth. What it leaves us is feeling materially in lack yeah. and spiritually in lack. And then you can see that as a, a thought that is born not in heaven but somewhere else. So the three points, and then we're going to go home. It's amazing. It's good news. Um, <laughs> just a warning: my points are never straightforward. I just make points so people think that they're <laughs> But the first point is identifying grace. I think it's helpful to understand how the Lord moves in this area and how He wants to move with me. If I know His process, then I know how to order my process when it comes to becoming a blessing. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11. I think it's coming up on the screen. There it is. And then we're going to look at verse 8, and then we're going to... Um, just make a few points. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now those are big words. He will also, and you will, excuse me, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous or you can be a blessing on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This whole passage kind of builds a fence around your life and says the enlargement of your life is determined by the seed in your life. He uses these three areas of living. He says there's bread, there's seed, and this is enlargement. It doesn't say how much you know or what you do or specific lines or what the seed looks like. It just says the one who gives seed also gives bread. And he's giving us an order of things to get us to a place in moving with God and moving in God. Anybody want to move with God? I, I mean, I do. Always want to be in a place of growing in myself and becoming more effective in the right way. So I want to show what Paul is doing here. But let's go back and verse, uh, read verse 8. He says, And God is able, now it's all in the context of giving, but Paul is using a need, a financial need, to teach us that Genesis 12, 2 
is still very much relevant in the life of the church. So he says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Say that again. Now God is able to make all grace abound towards you. I know that we can receive this as a corporate general over everybody, but actually what Paul is saying is God, the God of heaven, is able to make all grace, not withholding any, abound towards you. So that you, having all that you need, yeah, now I'm paraphrasing, excuse me, so that you, always having sufficient, uh, all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. Amen. So let's start right there. What's he, what's he trying to say? He's saying, yeah, the God of heaven and earth is able to make all grace abound towards you, leaving you where? Leaving you with all sufficiency, having all that you need. For what reason? Because I wouldn't mind being in that place. But here's the big point in being a blessing. So that you, excuse me, you know, I choose the New King James, so it says what I wanted to say, but I can't quote it because I haven't read it enough. So that you have an abundance in every good work. So he wants you to have all things, so that you would have an abundance when it's time to release good work. Amen. Amen. See, provision pivots on purpose. It does. When we get lost in blessing and a theology, a way of relating to God that only looks to the blessing of my life, I'm telling you, it's going to be a frustrated flow of provision. Now, God is the God of heaven and earth, that all of the earth belongs to Him, and so He has the resources to distribute, and, and we don't want to get lost in resources, but I just want to speak to the wisdom of God in this area of making you a blessing. Is he is going to be free to bless you if he knows that your blessing will be a blessing to others. This is not just finances. I want to just downgrade the financial conversation. I think there's more wealth and riches within us that are immaterial. But he wants wants to deliver all grace to you because you know that actually as it comes to me, it's for purpose. Yes, it is a blessing and it is a provision, but it is for his purpose. And he is able to work it out that while you are blessed, his purpose continues. And this is what it is to be a blessing. Let me look at those words. The first word is seed. Seed is anything that leaves our lives. Bread is anything that feeds our lives. We have to have the presence of mind, the contentment to manage those two spaces in our world. Is what is for me and what is for them. And this passage seems to suggest that everybody's got a fair portion of both. Is he gives seed and he gives bread. So there's, there's things that I have within me and around me that are for others, and there's things that I have that are for me. And he's happy that I use uh, eat all the bread that I, I would like. I know bread isn't popular nowadays, but um, <laughs> sourdough bread. I mean, yeah. It's a difficult argument to win here. Jesus lived in a bread-heavy culture. Um, but here's the deal for our lives. Now, look, we're looking at the, the concept and context is that all increase comes through seed, not through bread. The growth, the enlargement of my life, my ministry, my gifts, my, my understanding, my knowledge, my cooperation and partnership with God, my co-laboring with the will of God comes when I see I have seed and I begin to release it. And actually, the, the passage goes on to masses of enlargement where it speaks about out of your seed, there is harvests of righteousness. You know, I wondered, what is a harvest of righteousness? I have no place to put that on. But actually, it's just the fruit of your life grows and then increases and grows 
and it increases and grows and increases simply because you were somebody who knew what it was to walk in blessing. Amen. Paul is not speaking to bolting on generosity generosity to our lives. He is building into who we are, the character of Genesis 12 to the character of being a blessing. It is an inward trait. It is not an external practice. What he wants us to get to, if, if blessing others is the purpose of my life, when others are benefiting from my life, I'm experiencing all grace abounding towards me. And that's the place we want to live. Amen. So I want to point to is finding margin. I want to uh, tell you a little bit of a personal story, but also just want to address, you know, we prayed into healing what I've had in my heart for the, this year, in fact, for the last six months, and I'll explain that now. And just before I get into this next section, I just want to warn you, if I do start perspiring, um, I'm not having a heart attack or nothing unhealthy is happening. It's just some of the things that happen to my body when I speak. And so don't worry and don't be distracted. Um because I know you know you don't know what I'm talking about now, but you will see it in a few moments. <laughs> it is distracting. <laughs> so I just find I don't know how you find it. I'm not sure if it's different on the south on the north coast, excuse me. Um, but generally we live in quite stretched nowadays. I think the demand and the pace of our lives, I think technology has sped things up but we're still the same people, we're human beings, and so we're not actually designed to live under the weight and under the burden of what we live under today. And it puts a pressure on our lives. I think we're stretched. I think we're stressed. I think anxiety is an epidemic, if not a pandemic. I think mental and emotional fatigue are realities that people live in that don't know how to identify. And I think it's something that the Lord wants to heal in this day and healing flows through our lives. So we have to identify it before we can begin to heal it. Amen. So we have a place, we have a schematic or a paradigm for physical healing, but nobody's necessarily lacking in authority when it comes to internal, mental, emotional healing. But it is something that the Lord wants to deal with. So I'm going to tell you my story and how he spoke to me uh, over this last year in this area. Blessing flows out of extra. It flows out of the pieces that we don't need in our lives. Blessing flows out of um, the space we create that we have for others. Amen? Blessing flows out of margin. If we have not margin, then we've got nothing to give from. Then we start to give from what we are and not what we got. And when we're giving from what we are, which is a common ministry gift, a gift problem, is that we become emptier and emptier and we start to slip into fatigue and even worse. So we need to make sure that we're living in the margin and we're sowing and we're giving to others out of margin. In 2021, which was obviously last year, in July, Chesham, I got COVID. I want to tell you a bit about my COVID story. It is a good story, so um, we're not going to bring down the room. But uh, we both got COVID, and you know, anybody, I never thought I'd get COVID, but I did think if I did get COVID, I would sail through it. And Chesin, uh, she was more sick than me. We were in our house, we got four kids, we were feeling very sorry for ourselves. There's no one to help us with children. Um, when you're sick and you can't help yourself, it was quite a thing. And so, but she was more sick. I kept on saying, look, I just want to acknowledge. I felt like it was a bit of a competition. It wasn't, but it felt like I needed to always say, I acknowledge you are more sick than me. 
And uh, day five, I actually thought I was out of COVID. And then day six, I realized I wasn't. And Chesson started to heal and I started to get worse. But while I was in that space, I started to, because I had stopped, I started to think about my life and how I was feeling. And I thought, no, man, I can't carry on. Like Something's wrong. Just the pace, the burden, the, the demand, the expectation. Something's wrong. I'm not sure that I'm going to continue. And I thought, as soon as I get over this, day 10, I, I'm going to try and get some help. To, like just somebody to speak to to get me out of this frame of mind and stop. Help me stop or slow down. The problem was I never got better. And so I got worse and worse. And I think on day 11 or day 14, I'm not sure what it was, but you know, you count days in COVID. And uh, I went, I had to go to hospital. I had developed COVID pneumonia. And then I was in hospital. And of course, I thought three days, four days. And I took 18 days before I got home. I was obviously, I was in a, I was in a, a private room on my own for 18 days, didn't talk to anybody except uh, people in masks and big suits that, you know, didn't know who you were. You felt rude all the time because you didn't know if I had spoken to you. Uh, just now, I was a new, different person, double masks and whatnot. But in that time, I felt, no, I didn't feel, the Lord was really able to deal with my life. When I got into hospital, I realized how low my margin levels were in life. I started to stress about anything. I'm talking about the first few hours. I thought, my, my family, do they have enough? Have I left them enough? This is not a convenient time to die because there's a, it would leave a big mess in Jason's life. And there's a lot of loose ends right now. And uh, I need to see if I couldn't tie them up, but I knew I couldn't tie them up. And so I was stressed about my family. I was, of course, stressed about my kids. I was never worried about dying. But I was worried about how my loved ones would feel and cope with losing me. And then the Lord started to take me through this, this process, which I'm going to try and share with you. I've told this story many times in the last six months, but I don't think I've ever told it well. So hopefully this is the best time, <laughs> the best version of this story. But I was lying in my bed and I obviously felt very helpless, not just for myself, but for more importantly for the people around me. And... Um, yeah, just completely frail, and, and I won't say I was freaked out, but I was, I was not comfortable with not being in control of anything in my life. And so the Lord started to speak to me, so before we deal with you, we need to deal with a few other things. Now, I'm going to use some language today that might not be your language, but I'm asking you for some grace to allow me to just talk how I talk, um, and how we talk, and how I hear the first thing he said to me was, this disease is not of God, obvious, but what you're fighting is something spiritual. See, I'm finding the words, I don't even want to say the words. It's spiritual, and you just need to resist it. You just need to know that this thing that you're fighting is demonic. It's not of God. Amen? I don't know why he needed me to know that, but I feel like he needed me to know nothing of this is in the will of God. And you need to have some resistance in your heart to what's going on in your body. The second thing he told me was, I have not abandoned you. I've not left you alone. You're not, even though you're out of control and without a hope outside of me, I've certainly not abandoned you. And I thought the Lord say, return to grace. Let me, let me manifest grace in your life right now. Which means you cannot help yourself. This is a big, that's a big message. To us who are making a plan out there and, and controlling and keeping things together, men, South African men, it's a big message that we're just, just a, a step away from not having control in our lives. And actually grace works most powerfully 
when we release control to God. And so he said to me, I've not abandoned you. The third thing he said to me was release your family. So I was concerned. I was concerned for my 13-year-old son at the time. How would he, how would he cope? You know, when kids are younger, I don't know, I'm not speaking from experience, so I don't want to speak to anybody else's situation, but I thought my 13-year-old, how, does he, how is he going to develop and cope well losing a father at 13? And so he said, release your family. Release them. Not say goodbye, but release them. They're not in your hands. You can do nothing to help them in this process. And the message for me was, you are not in control. And, and I had to release control. I had to let it go in order to have God work in our lives. You know that when we were controlling things, we are restricting God? I don't know about you. you know, we, we've taken over this big, I don't know if it's big, this medium church. It's significant. It's well known. It was, uh, there's other locations. It's, it's easy to take control of that situation because there's a thousand moving parts and too many people involved, and way too many leaders, and way too many good leaders. It's a lot of stuff to keep going, keep in order, keep the peace, be good, let grace up. There's a lot of things here that, so, so we fall into the trap of controlling things so that they're manageable, amen? But grace doesn't flow or operate when we are trying to control things. Grace is actually more useful in chaos than it is in control. Yeah. And so I felt the Lord really say, you got to miss, if you want to see the grace of God abound to you much in this space, you've got to even release your family. Because if you don't, you'll be trying to control what you can't, and you're not going to be in touch with what I've got to share with you. And so I had to release my family. It was a big step for me to do that. In that space, every step in this journey was, was a step emotional. It was tearful. It was took a few hours, all on the same night. And then he said to me, and this is the first time I've used the statement, and it's not a huge statement, but it's the first time I've made clarity, because I've actually made up the last statement when I've told people the story, because I knew there were four processes. I just didn't know the words to give the last one. And I thought, I've used, now, now you can pray, and now you can resist, and now you can, you can uh, fight this disease. It's actually not what God said to me or did with me at all. He said, actually, now I can show you. There's some things that God can show us when we stop that we can't see when we're moving. And the problem with the day that we live in is one, we can't stop, and two, because no one will let us, and two, because we've we've lived like that for so long, we actually don't know how to stop. So even when we're having downtime, our minds are still uptime, and we're managing what has to happen, who we have to relate to, how much we have to relate to, and how much we have to manage in our lives. Amen. It means that we're living without margin. There's nothing extra and nothing for me to give. So every week I go into another five days, I'm just a little bit more depleted than I was when I got out of the last week. As I was in that space, I was open to things that I'd never be open to. The Lord was clever because he spoke about me as if he was speaking about other people. And so I was, I was ready to receive what other people were doing. But the first thing he said, Simon, I'm going to show you your life. And I want you to know about how you're living. You're doing the right thing the wrong way. And how you're doing everything is with a driven heart. A driven spirit. Not an evil spirit, but just something that needs things to be done. We even get ourselves into a place, I need this to be done so that it can look good for me. Yeah. 
And I know it's a difficult thing to express, and not difficult for me, it's difficult to translate into our lives, because often our success is about validation. Not actually about doing well or stewarding well for yeah, God. Great yeah. I mean, it's not about stewardship. It'll always be about validation and really speaks to a lack of our identity. Yeah. So you said you're driven. You're driven. You're doing a lot of good things. But the way you're doing them is driven, and I'm not in drivenness. The Holy Spirit does not cooperate with a driven soul. Yeah. And then he said to me, second thing, is if we're driven, we're inviting a level of oppression on our lives. So the rod of oppression that Jesus came to take off us, we're putting back on us because we've got great plans and we're going to do them ourselves. Yeah. It's not grace. It's not all grace abound to you much. Grace. It's using up the margin to do what we feel we must do. And then the last thing, so just let's go back. The first thing is drivenness. The Holy Spirit does not cooperate with drivenness. The second thing is oppression. If we're driven... We're working on our own, and it puts a burden on us. He came to lift off us. And the third thing was, and I don't know if this is language for you, but I'll just say it as I heard it and as I saw it. He spoke to me about these things every night for about seven nights. Is come into Sabbath, which was simply this, come into margin, or come into rest. You know the idea of rest is to cease, is to stop. It's just to, I need you to stop so you can see, so you can reset. And sometimes in our lives, if we're living off our margin or we're eating our seed, we're actually not able to be effective or generous or a blessing to anybody because we've come under just the demand or the expectation of the day, the day that we live in, the world that we live in. I have four kids. It is, there's a lot of uh, demand, not for my wife. She's very gracious. <laughs> But from, from four kids, there's a lot. There's, there's stuff that we live in that is not helping us be a blessing. So I'll just tell you where that took me. That was seven days of just the same stuff every night. I wasn't, well, I wasn't in the glory clouds. I wasn't like, you know, incredibly um, felt close to God, but I could see God was talking to me every single night. And what he did was he restored me mentally from mental fatigue. I was going to say these things slowly. I never would have gone in there saying, I need to be restored in this space. He, was, he restored me, that's better than saying something. Um, he restored me emotionally. Never would have thought as a man, emotional restoration. But just how we interact with our loved ones is a great marker as to where we are emotionally. Not that we shut off, that we sometimes not just shut off, but we're harsh. And I tell you this because it's connected. I think he restored me financially. Now he didn't give me anything, but he reset my values so that my pursuits and my concern and my worries would be different. What he did was he created a new set of values in my life so that I would see the margin that I already had. And I just want to say this to you as a church today, well, as individuals, is there is a fatigue that we live in. And we accept because we feel we're coping. But when we're living in our margin space, it's not how we were created to live. We were created to be a blessing. It's not just part of God's plan. It's part of your makeup. It's part of our designs to float and to bless and to pour out. And when we feel even in our thoughts that I have nothing to give, 
It's a lie. So either I'm just eating at my margin, or my thoughts about myself need to be healed, need to be changed. And I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to heal us so that He can release us to be fruitful in our lives, in every area of our lives. Very good. So I'm going to make one or two points and then we're going to pray. Everything God has given you in His the story of redemption, your story of redemption with Him, He's given you gifts, redemptive gifts. Redemptive gifts are, are that's who you are, that's how you were made. And they're designed to serve people. It's giving. He's given you spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. Amen? I know that you might not think you have that, but remember how we started. We're all spiritual. If we're in Christ, we're spiritual. And there's a gift on your life that won't betray you or make you feel awkward. Actually, it'll work naturally with you, and it'll be unique in its expression to you. But my point is, every gift given to us is for others. Because we are powerful. We're powerful when we're blessing. We become restrained, we become very limited, and we become even possibly insignificant in community and in the broader community when we are not blessing others. So I'm going to ask you to pr- uh, stand, and I'm going to pray for you. But I do want to say that He's given you everything you need for life and for Godliness. Everything that you are spiritual. That if you're in Christ, you have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit in you. It's the reality, the full portion of God is in you. Equal to me, equal to Bear, equal to Tam. No lack in you in Christ. Only needs your cooperation. The reason I went through some of those things today is just to show actually it's all set up that you are fruitful. It's all set up. Everything we've been given. There's some for others, there's some for me. It just needs for us to open our hearts and open our minds to say, I have something to add, to build into community. And it releases a a spirit of generosity over our lives. I want to ask you a question as you bow your heads. What sphere has God placed you in? Who's there in that sphere? Who's in that space that you go, that you serve every day? And what have you got that they need? Because I believe that that place that you go to every day is a place that blessings should flow from you. Not out of striving or not out of any religious pressure, but actually out of your design and your maker. So I'm going to pray that over the community, over your lives, over your days, and we're going to trust God that we see something special in this, through this series. But Father, I just thank you for, I thank you for the wisdom of God that actually is able to release blessing to us that in turn will further the plan of God for humanity. I thank you that as we open our hearts and our minds to having received the Holy Spirit, to having received the resource that we need to be fruitful and productive in life, that we begin to see opportunity, begin to step out and to serve the world around us. I thank you that the blessing of God will begin to well up to us, but also well up from our lives. And that this place would be like a river that blesses beyond this place in Jesus' name. We take authority over all thinking, Lord, that would have us thinking we have nothing to give. I thank you that there is wealth and riches we receive in Jesus. And so we just receive those afresh today. That you would shift my thinking about who I am. That I would realize that not only have you blessed me, but you've placed me. And you've placed me strategically because of who I am. 
and what I have to begin to serve the world around me. I thank you that salvation would flow from this place, from our lives. I thank you that you would give us a voice, and that by the Spirit of God, you would give us a quiet confidence in who we are and what we have to impact the world around us. So thank you that these words would land on soft hearts and produce a harvest way beyond what a sermon could ever do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any questions about today's teaching or anything else, please email us on hello at co-church.org or visit us on our website on www.co-church.org. We gather in person every Sunday here in Umshali on the north coast of KwaZulu-Natal and you are so welcome to join us.